What up, Internet? I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's December 15th in the year 2022, and the big Rubin Report holiday party is tonight. So we've got to do a tight show so that these fine people can go home and put on their tuxedos and whatever else they're going to do. There's going to be a lot of tequila this evening. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. If you have not subscribed, jump over to rumble.com slash rubinreport and rubinreport.com slash locals where you can live chat with us and get extra bonus video streams. And I posted some pictures of the kids this morning and all that good stuff. If you did not know what that cold open was, so that video, which was, I have to admit, it was doctored, <laughs> misinformation specialist, you know, uh, that was uh, yesterday. Nancy Pelosi was unveiling her portrait uh, in the Capitol, uh, but the, the meme makers of the internet, I believe it was the people over at Post Millennial, they put the picture of non-binary gender fluid Biden nuclear waste official and also bag thief criminal Sam Brinton. Uh, if you've missed this story, it's just so nuts. So there's this guy or girl or whatever he is. He wears puppy outfits. He's having a good time, lipstick and dresses, the whole thing. He's also a, he's also a nuclear waste specialist or something. And uh, he apparently twice, two times, so you know it's not a mistake, went on a flight, went down to baggage claim and took other people's bags. Did not even check a bag, just went down and stole bags. So he, I think, has been let go as of yesterday. So I thought that was just a little fun way to start the show. And uh, as for what we're doing today, uh, it's going to be a pickup on a lot of the things that uh, we've been talking about in general, but sort of specifically yesterday. Uh, Fauci, this Anthony Fauci guy who is just being exposed left and right, as, as a fraud and a liar and on the dole and on the take and all of that stuff. And, and really, uh, as someone who has taken every position on COVID all along the way, uh, he is now firing back at Governor Ron DeSantis here in Florida. We talked about it yesterday. Governor DeSantis has now uh, commissioned this panel of people, including a couple, couple former guests of this show, uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford, uh, Brett Weinstein, a couple other people, uh, to look into vaccine injuries, to look into how the CDC and Fauci himself may have pushed bunk science on, on us and, and what that did to the civil rights of uh, Floridians. So that's actually very exciting. But it's not just the, the corruption and the lies of COVID. We're kind of seeing it everywhere right now, which of course is connected to what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter, where we're getting more information. So as I always say, it's like, if you've managed to stay roughly sane over the last couple of years, I give you a lot of credit. I would say I'm just roughly sane, like just roughly sane. That's all you had to do because we were inundated with such misinformation. The truth was so consistently hidden from us and they pushed nonsensical policies that they knew did not work. We can only guess why they did it. Uh, well, I think we can speculate and probably figure out some pretty good reasons. These people like money and power. That's basically it. Uh, and we're pushing back and more and more people are seeing what's what. And we have to just keep putting the pressure on the, the private institutions, the public institutions, and much more. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Before we get to it, let me talk to you guys about StoryWorth. You know, this holiday season, I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you 
and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Every week with StoryWorth emails, uh, every week StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I'm gonna give my keepsake book to my two baby boys when they are older, and Justin spit up all over me twice today. Reading the weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash Ruben and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash Ruben to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to me. I will tell you guys, I, so I take the kids in the morning and Justin, I had him this morning. We do the full bottle. He's at six ounces right now and he's sucking this thing down. I was like, he is kind of eating this thing fast. The kid must be starving. And then I'm trying to burp him. He spit up, I mean, all over my face, all over my shirt. Then I was like, oh, he's spitting up all over me. I kind of turn him around and then he spits up all over my shorts. Anyway, I didn't use hairspray today. It's just spit up. It works, it works. There's a viscosity to it and a, and a hold that's very impressive. All right, let's talk about this Anthony Fauci fraud. Anthony Fraudchi. Uh, he went on CNN yesterday to talk about what Ron DeSantis is doing right here in Florida. And he's clearly nervous. And just watch, if you want to see the beautiful perfection of the mainstream media, watch as the interviewer asks him an extremely loaded question and clearly uh, is on his side in this whole thing. So politicized as, as COVID-19. I mean, you've found yourself, we've talked about this many times, at the center of some of that angry debate. Elon Musk just came at you and attacked you. But the latest now, Dr. Fauci, is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He's now asking the Florida Supreme Court to greenlight an investigation into, and the way he put it, is any, uh, any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. What's your reaction to that? I don't have a clue, Kate, what he's asking for. I mean, we have a vaccine that unequivocally is highly effective and safe and has saved literally millions of lives. That's a very difficult situation. You're absolutely correct. It has been politicized and it has been politicized in a way that has actually caused lives because if people don't get vaccinated, which unequivocally is life-saving because of political ideology. Everything he said there is a lie. It never stops with the guy. The balls on this bureaucratic buffoon are large. He has large balls. I'll give him that. Uh, a couple of things there. First off, the vaccines are not highly effective. Fact check me, fact checkers. Joe Biden, last June, if you get the vaccine, you will not get nor transmit COVID. That is what Walensky at the CDC told us. That is what Fauci told us. That is what virtually every government official told us. Before this, if you were vaccinated against something, before the COVID vaccine, you did not get the thing. That's what we all thought vaccine meant. Oh, you get a va you're vaxxed from polio? You ain't gonna get polio. Polio, polio, vaccine, polio, that way. Polio doesn't go this way, doesn't get in the system. But they've literally, literally changed the definition of 
vaccine because the COVID vaccines do not work as every previous vaccine. So that's one thing. Uh, then he says that it saved millions of lives. There's just no evidence of this. There is no long-term evidence of this. There may be some evidence that people of a certain age with some other diseases got some temporary protection from COVID. Perhaps, perhaps, but there is no evidence that it has saved millions and millions of lives. I don't think, honestly, at this point, that there's any evidence, had we done nothing, and I really mean that, absolutely nothing, we would have known that there's this, there's this kind of flu-like thing going around the world, and everyone's just gonna kind of get it, and just remember, everybody, uh, take care of yourself, don't, don't forget to drink a little water, get a little sunshine, exercise every now and again, maybe uh, get up your ass. Uh, I think things probably would have been better. Well, I think things for sure would have been better at a sort of psychological level after the, the insanity and the gaslighting of the last two and a half years. Uh, and also this idea that we're the ones that politicized this thing. We politicized it by pushing back on the nonsense. That's what he's saying. These people politicize it, meaning the Republicans or conservatives, whatever. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. First off, in the world we live in now, everything is political. But if you shut people out of their jobs, if you don't let kids go to school, if somehow teachers unions seem like they're in cahoots with the, uh, with the science, uh, the scientists and all of the, the CDC and the NIH and everything else, you guys made it political. We're, we're just calling out your BS. That's all it is. So every single thing that he says is a lie. Oh, and then the big one, uh, that, they're, that they're safe and effective. Okay, I already dealt with the effective part, right? They're just not effective in any way that we used to think effective meant. Safe. Well, I was at the panel, the DeSantis panel, two days ago, where he was assembling this group of scientists and doctors uh, to deal with and look into some of these vaccine injuries and much more. One of the doctors that he had there uh, was ER doctor Joseph Freeman. There is, he has done many, many studies on this. I don't, as far as I can tell, uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong, if you're watching this on the computer machine, uh, nobody is questioning his credentials related to any of this. So, and when Fauci says safe, what Dr. Freeman talked about was how Pfizer and Moderna know this that when they were putting these vaccines out, that there was a one in 800 chance that there was going to be a highly averse reaction. And what he's talking about is heart disease, serious stuff, not just like you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna have aches and pains for a day or two, like you might have if you got the flu vaccine, something like that. One in 800. Now that may, you may say, well, one in 800 doesn't sound, that doesn't sound that bad. Well, when it comes to other vaccines, like the polio vaccine and things of that nature, it's one in a million. That is a massive, extraordinary difference. One in 800, and we're forcing the vaccine on all these people that don't need it, on top of all the myocarditis stuff and all that. Uh, but one in 800 is very, very different than one in a million. But that's what these people do. But let's continue, because I don't want to focus too much on Fauci. I don't like him very much. Why am I talking about him so much? Let's move on to some other people that aren't very good. Uh, you guys all know this story about uh, FTC, which was the crypto exchange run by this absolute charlatan by the name of Sam Bankman-Fried. And FTX collapsed. It basically was a complete Ponzi scheme where they were taking money from people, putting it in essence into like this shell company that did nothing. And they were buying all sorts of properties and his parents became rich and they've moved all sorts of money. Nobody knows where any of the money is. He got all kinds of people involved in this thing. Celebrities, athletes, Tom Brady got screwed on this thing, a whole bunch more. Well, anyway, he was supposed to testify in front of Congress yesterday, but magically he got arrested the day before, so was unable to do so. Here is video of SDNY uh, uh, attorney Damian Williams 
uh, detailing the charges against Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, let me say a little bit more about what we allege in the indictment. First, we charge that from 2019 until earlier this year, Bankman-Fried and his co-conspirators stole billions of dollars from FTX customers. He used that money for his personal benefit, including to make personal investments and to cover expenses and debts of his hedge fund, Alameda Research. Secondly, and relatedly, we charge that Bankman-Fried lied to Alameda's lenders about the source of the money that he was using to pay those debts. Third, we charge that earlier this year, in the midst of the crypto crisis, Bankman-Fried lied to investors in FTX about the fact that he had sent billions of dollars in FTX customer money to Alameda. And fourth, we charge that Bankman-Fried violated federal campaign finance laws by causing tens of millions of dollars in illegal campaign contributions to be made to candidates and committees associated with both Democrats and Republicans. These contributions were disguised to look like they were coming from wealthy co-conspirators, when in fact, the contributions were funded by Alameda Research with stolen customer money. And all of this dirty money was used in service of Bankman-Fried's desire to buy bipartisan influence and impact the direction of public policy. Okay, so this is pretty powerful stuff with this guy. This story, you may be watching this story and going, well, wait a minute, there's always fraud on Wall Street and crypto sounds kind of shady and people involved in finances do all sorts of weird stuff. And we've heard about Madoff and Ponzi schemes and all the rest of it. But what really is interesting about this is how connected this guy was to the political elite and that this story did not break, shocker, this story did not break till the day after the midterm elections, when all the checks were cashed, all the analysts and the advisors were paid, and everybody got their little piece. The day after, suddenly, oh my, it does turn out that this guy who didn't really have a product, who's been put on every TV show, and we're told he's Jesus too, uh, he's actually a massive charlatan. So, you know, you could say, he he's, all right, he stole billions, he used it for personal use, he lied to lenders, he lied to investors. The big one is the campaign finance stuff. Uh, so we've got a little bit more from Fox News on that. Two of the biggest Democrat beneficiaries of disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's campaign donations reportedly won't say whether they plan to return the donations. In total, Bankman-Fried reportedly spent upward of $40 million on campaign, do campaign donations in the 2022 midterm cycle, with the vast majority going to Democrats. The disgraced crypto billionaire was arrested in the Bahamas on Monday evening, just as federal prosecutors in New York filed charges against him. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission also filed charges against Bankman-Fried on Tuesday. In total, Bankman-Fried charge, faces charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud on customers, committing wire fraud on customers, conspiracy to commit wire fraud on lenders, committing wire fraud on lenders, conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and conspiracy to defraud the U.S. and violate campaign finance laws and conspiracy to have the worst haircut I've ever seen. Uh, look, this is a big story because he was stealing money, not only using it for all his own selfish purposes. Okay, fine, that's, that's like corrupt guy 101, but he was buying influence with politicians. And as the uh, attorney in New York said, he was doing it on both sides. However, it was wildly, 
wildly pro-Democrat. And by the way, many, many politicians, this is something Donald Trump talked an awful lot about in 2015 and 2016, an awful lot of rich people buy influence on both sides. Like you might give more to the guy you really want in, but you also wanna hedge your bets. So Trump used to say, well, I would give money to Democrats and Republicans. Hillary, I used to give money to you. Now you tell me I'm a Nazi because they're hedging their bets. You might want one person to win a little bit more generally, they want uh, Democrats to win a little bit more because they're more part of the machine and the machine's been pretty good to super wealthy people. I know that's a little counterintuitive relative to taxes, but that's generally how it works. Um, but he was the second largest Democrat donor. He was in the Democrat machine. Here he is with lovely lady Maxine Waters. I mean, look at this guy. Look, what, what a clown show. Who are these people? Anyway, yesterday, the hearing that he was supposed to be at, but did not get to because he's now been arrested, what a wonderful coincidence that was, so he wasn't able to testify under oath, uh, Maxine Waters is on the committee that was uh, leading this thing, and she, who has defended him, who got money from him, how much is Maxine Waters worth? Maxine Waters, who is a representative in the LA suburb, which is one of the, the poorest suburbs. She doesn't live there though. She lives in Hancock Park, which is one of the richest areas in all of LA. She's gotta be worth at least 20 million. I'm gonna throw out 20 million. She's been in, she's been in Congress forever. How much is it? Five? No, five, 50? 10 million. She's worth a cool 10 million. I don't know how she did that on a mere government salary. Anyway, she was uh, part of the hearing yesterday and basically she was trying to silence other representatives who wanted to ask questions. It's really rather remarkable and just smug, gross, awful lady, go. Record the closing statements from ranking member McHenry and myself. Uh, and I'd like to thank you, Mr. John Ray III. Chairwoman Waters. Your presence here today. Chairwoman Waters, I've not had an opportunity to testify or to question the witness. Uh, I'd like to um, thank you for your presence. Chairwoman Waters. Parliamentary inquiry? Yes. Are all members entitled to question witnesses? You are, and if you would like to miss the votes on the floor for everybody. Hey, it's the chairwoman's moment. prerogative to call just a recess. Just one moment, please. That's your decision, not mine. Just one moment, please. You may go right ahead and have five minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. You're certainly welcome, sir. You're certainly welcome, sir. She's just awful. Gooden had every right to ask questions and have his voice heard and everything else, but you, very odd to me. Why would she would want to shut this thing down real quick? And, uh, you know, for those of you, I haven't done a Star Wars reference in a while. That was literally a scene from Star Wars, the prequels. Yeah, I'm going to the prequels. Remember in Phantom Menace when there's the Trade Federation blockade of Naboo and Queen Amidala takes it to the Senate and they're up there and she's pleading her case. She's going, you know, they're the, 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 the separatists, they're blocking us. You know, what are we going to do? We, they're attacking us, all this stuff. We have no weapons. And then Chancellor Valorium standing there, just like Maxine Waters is. And then this guy comes in his ear and whispers something to him, which is exactly what that woman did to Maxine Waters. And next thing you know, nothing happens. These people are terrible. I don't like them very much. Uh, let's continue because Sam Bankman Freed, and again, you may say, well, all right, it doesn't matter. So he gave money to politicians. So he's corrupt. So all of this stuff always happens. So crypto's a you know, scam. Like you might think all of that stuff. But why is it that this guy was so beloved by the system? That's the real question. Why is it that this guy was on every podcast? Why was it that this guy was on every TV show? Every media organization was writing glowing reviews of this guy. Why was that? Here's a compilation of uh, the giant suck job that these people were doing on him. 
You've been now described as the J.P. Morgan, if you will, of the crypto business. A lot of people have called you um, the savior of crypto, the patron saint of crypto, the Michael Jordan of crypto, if you will. Sam Bankman-Fried. <laughs> Sam Bankman-Fried, the J.P. Morgan of... Fried. SBF, JPM. Do you know SBF? I think it's cool that the guy has just initials, uh, SBF. Some on Twitter calling him the hero right now of the industry. There's comparisons to Warren Buffett back in the financial crisis. Or if you go way back, J.P. Morgan in the panic of 1907, bailing out the banks before the Fed was even created. Sam Bankman-Fried is trying to play the role of J.P. Morgan, uh, the original J.P. Morgan. One key figure we've talked about has emerged to help stabilize the ecosystem. That is Sam Bankman-Fried. We talk about him a lot. Yeah. Sam Bankman-Fried. Free. Is he the Jay Gould of our era, or is he the J.P. Morgan of our era? I think it's yet to be determined. Yet to be is determined. He the, is he Vanderbilt? He could be. Is he Harriman? Possibly. This is the Credit Mobiliere scandal. See Carnegie? The aforementioned 29-year-old gazillionaire, FTX founder and CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. I love you, Sam. I'm just jealous. Uh, <laughs> it's n- nothing, nothing against you. The CEO, though, lives a relatively understated life for a billionaire. He drives a Toyota Corolla to FTX's offices in the Bahamas. He lives with 10 roommates and a golden doodle named Gopher. Sometimes sleeps under a, uh, his desk on a beanbag chair as well. You know, I'm not an incredible investor. I I, I don't have a lot in the market. I don't uh, try to do some things with property. I believe in physical things. That's my thing. But I don't think I would have given that guy money. Does that guy, oh, he's sleeping under his desk. He has the body of a 70-year-old man while he's 26. His haircut looks like uh, it was given to him by a criminally insane person. You know, like everything about the whole thing read as so freaking weird. Have any of these people offered apologies? Have any of these people had mea culpas? Have any of these people been like, boy, I really got bamboozled on that one. But now I want to connect this to something more broad, which is that certain people of a certain political belief are loved by the system. This is the idea of factory settings. If you just kind of grow up in America, let's say over the last 40 years, the culture is so skewed to the left towards the Democrats, towards liberals, that the default position is, oh, that must be good. And then anytime anyone wakes up out of that, then you're thought of as the bad guy, which is why, to go to what we were talking about earlier, Fauci can do all of this bad shit, get all of this stuff wrong, really just have no regard for individual rights or a constitution or anything like that. But it's only politicized in his view when we push back because the default position is always the position of the left. And if you want a great example of that, uh, MRC TV put together a really nice compilation. Uh, You may know that uh, the Daily Show host, Trevor Noah, who has hosted the show for I think the last seven years since Jon Stewart stepped away. And and it went from being sort of a cultural icon, whether you watched it or not, whether you like Jon Stewart or not, whether you thought it was good or not, it it was a sort of mainstream place where politics was heard and talked about and it was thought as the most sort of irreverent political comedy on television, uh, basically Trevor Noah takes over and the things become completely irrelevant. So they're finally getting rid of him and it's fairly obvious they would have gotten rid of him years ago, but because of the identity politics game, like clearly they couldn't do that, which is also why he got the job in the first place because there were plenty of other qualified, actually funny people that could have got it. Anyway, MRC TV did a little uh, compilation on this and a study on uh, how many guests he had on that were political by nature and whether they were left or right, 
liberal or conservative or much more. Here's a little info for you. During his seven-year tenure as host of Comedy Central's The Daily Show, Trevor Noah brought a reliably liberal bias to the program a Newsbusters study has found. MRC analysts found that from when Noah began hosting the show in September of 2015 through his final show in December of 2022, Noah had on 159 partisan guests, including 109 unique individuals. Of these 159 guests, 137 or 86.16% were Democrats or in some way affiliated with the Democrat party. Now, I want to be clear. I mostly at this point in my career have uh, right-leaning guests on, obviously. We try to get Democrats on all the time. I would love to have AOC on. I would love to have Joe Biden on. I'll have Ilhan Omar and the head of Hamas. What's her name? You know, all of them. I'll do all that stuff. They don't generally want to talk, but I'm not hiding what my political bias are, right? Like Comedy Central is thought of as, as a suppose an apolitical network, but everything they gave you, everything they made feel normal was from a leftist perspective. No one's coming here like I'm bamboozling you as to what I believe. I tell you what I believe every second of every day. Anyway, here's a little compilation of Trevor Noah's left-wing bias. Does this ever get like tired just walking around and people cheering for you when you walk into rooms. There seems to be this feeling where you walk around the country and people go, it's a little bit of like, oh, but it's also like, yay. Gender change is not a trend, all right? It's been around for thousands of years. But if it was, why does the church care about it so much? First of all, transgender people can reproduce. And secondly, again, why do you care, right? You don't even let your people reproduce, right? Nuns aren't allowed to have sex, right? Priests can't get little boys pregnant. That same Supreme Court ruling that struck down Roe v. Wade, it also opened the door to future rulings that could overturn other rights, right? Things like the right to gay marriage, uh, interracial marriage, and contraception. Here's the amazing part. For South Africa to achieve that kind of black-white wealth gap, we had to construct an entire apartheid state, denying blacks the right to vote or own property. But you, you did it without even trying. You know, one of the things that I find interesting about this guy, actually probably the only thing I find interesting about this guy, is that, you know, I'm very aware when, when I've toured all over the world, especially when I was on tour with Jordan Peterson, if I was in some, uh, someone else's country, you might say something about like the food or this or that, but I, I went out of my way not to insult the country, not even to not insult the leaders. I think maybe the one little caveat on that was I did go pretty hard after Trudeau when we were in Canada, but Canada and America, I almost consider one thing at this point. This guy, he comes here, moves to this country to just rip our country apart relentlessly and endlessly. By the way, that line at the beginning where he said to Hillary, what's it like to go everywhere and be applauded? I actually puked in my mouth a little bit. So I've been spit up on twice today and I had to swallow my own vomit. That's where I'm at today, guys. That's what's going on over here. Anyway, this constant fear mongering of they're gonna reverse interracial marriage and they're coming after gay marriage. Yes, uh, that's what they're doing. That's really what they're doing. It's just, it's, it's incredible. Anyway, the Senate passed this Defense of Marriage Act, even though it's already Supreme Court law. There's a lot of people saying that, that it's actually what they've now passed will be an affront to religious liberty. Let's just put that aside for a moment, but just listen to the hysteria. Yesterday at the, at the White House, the elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden talking about gays and what's happening to gays in America. When a person can be married in the morning 
and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon. This is still wrong. First off, nobody gets married in the morning. People get married, you're going to get married in the afternoon to the evening usually. Very few weddings take place in the morning. So I just like to, you know, technically I think he's making a little bit of a mistake there. Um, there is no evidence. We did a whole bunch of Googling yesterday um, of gay people being kicked out of restaurants. Okay, we have the Equality Act, like from 1963, something like that. Um, nobody's being kicked out of restaurants for these things. It's so nonsensical. You're not going to believe this, guys. Most people, when they open up a restaurant or you open up a, uh, you know, a shoe shop, you open up some sort of store, you're not trying to figure out the sexuality of the people that are coming to buy product. You're really just trying to move product, make a little profit, get a little scratch in your pocket, have a nice weekend. That's usually what you're trying to do. You're not trying to open up a Waffle House and be like, oh my God, those lesbians got married this morning. No waffles for them. It's just nonsense. But this is what they do with absolutely everything. Now, it's one thing just this like pandering nonsense around the gays. They're coming for your marriage. They're coming for interracial marriage and all that. But what the Democrats really love more than anything right now, it's so sick and twisted, but they freaking love it, is chopping off kids' genitals. And they want to chop off 10-year-old and 12-year-old genitals, and they don't want parents to know about it, and they are very adamant about it. Here is the elderly man pretending to be president. When hospitals, libraries, and community centers are threatened and intimidated, <laughs> excuse me, because they support LGBTQ children and families, we have to speak out. We must stop the hate and violence, like we just saw in Colorado Springs where a place of acceptance and celebration was targeted for violence and terror. We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they're loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. All right, first off, he just doesn't know what he's saying. He's babbling all the usual stuff. He coughs into his hand more than anybody. Is there literally anyone in America that coughs in their hand more than Joe Biden, right? But he does this, okay. Um, the gall to say that uh, the people, literally the people who want to chop off children's genitals. So you get an 11-year-old boy and he's like, you know, I feel like a girl. I like Barbie more than I like Transformers. Uh, that, how is that my 11-year-old impression? I thought that was solid. Um, and then the doctor's like, all right, we're going to put you on puberty blocker, blockers and I think we'll, you know, we'll start getting the process going to, to chop your nuts off. Uh, that's the doctor that Joe Biden thinks is good. Why is it that we would affirm every little thing that an 11-year-old thinks about anything? And, the, and this is a, why I say this all the time, but this is why I hate this thing, this LGBTQ+. Plus, it has nothing to do with me. I know plenty of gay people uh, that are decent people, that are parents, that are functioning members of society, that would prefer not to change kids' genders, that would prefer not to have a bunch of whack job drag queens. Why don't drag queens do anything else? How about a drag queen go to an actuary event? How about an, at the National Accounting Association annual gala in Hawaii? Why don't they have a bunch of drag queens there? Why don't drag queens do a bunch of reading of history books for high school kids? Because they know they'd be freaked out by it. But we can do it and we can abuse these four-year-old kids. They've conflated these issues so that the very people who are defending children, you are defending children if you are trying to make sure that they don't alter themselves in a way that they cannot imagine. Cannot imagine, and we've played a video uh, once or twice before of Joe of uh, 
Jordan Peterson talking about the trans issue. And one of the things he says is, even if you were to take the, whatever it might be, it's something like 0.001% of people who are actually trans, like they are fully trans and they've dealt with all the psychological, um, they've, they've gone to psychologists, like they've really done all the work and they really fully fundamentally believe they are in the wrong body. Meanwhile, it's exploding by like a thousand percent across the country. So there's obviously a social conditioning element to it. But even if you just took that person, the person who is truly in their mind of the wrong body, right? The idea that if they take puberty blockers, if they massacre their body, chop off their breasts, chop off their genitals, add genitals, all of the stuff that somehow on the other side, they will be happier and better off for it. That is, we don't know that either. And there is a huge movement of detransitioners detrans right now. Uh, but let's get away from that for just a moment. And just, here's just general Biden gibberish nonsense. And a special thanks to our performers, Joy, Sam, and Cindy. Look, you know, and the gay man's choir in Washington, D.C., gay man's marriage. Yeah, whatever. Okay, that's just usual nonsense. Uh, here's Nancy Pelosi, and she has to tell the audience when to applause because they don't really get her. And the all this is easy for you because you're from San Francisco. And that's an applause line. <laughs> <laughs> You're from San Francisco. You can get crack and meth and heroin wherever you want it. Here's Cindy Lauper. She was a big star in 1986, and uh, she sang at the event. And uh, I'm starting to think that uh, maybe she should have retired in 1987. I see your truth. to all the people. Oh, settle down, you nutbag. I'd like to give a special shout out right now. I normally don't do this during the show, but to our, uh, our back end YouTube rumble guy, Chris. Chris, I know it was discussed before the show whether we were gonna play that Cindy Lauper clip because you love Cindy Lauper. And look, Cindy Lauper, 1986, when she was doing stuff with Captain Lou Albano in what was then the WWF wrestling, I liked her too, but the woman has lost her mind. She has just lost her mind like most of these people do. So now let's move over because this thing is, this, this weird trans thing that Joe Biden feels so passionately about and he so wants to ensure that doctors can do things to children without the parent knowing what's going on. Uh, it's leaking into every part of society and it's really, really nuts. Uh, here is a woman by the, well, I assume she's a woman. She looks like a woman to me, but she might have a penis. Who knows anymore? Uh, her name is Jessie Pocock. <laughs> a woman by the name of Jessie Pocock. Uh, she is the CEO and executive director of Inside Out Youth Services Advocacy Organization. Uh, and she was being questioned on C-SPAN about whether parents have rights related to their children going through these processes and whether parents should know that their kids are on hormones, et cetera. Uh, once again, we are doing a trans segment here and the expert, her name is Jessie Pocock. Pocock. 
person is safe and protected. We have uh, we are constantly filing reports of abuse and neglect because of parents. I, I understand not the cases. Of, of, it sounds are. like you're deflecting the question a little bit. Uh, I understand cases of abuse. There's laws to protect the abuse. I mean, schools actually are legally obligated to report cases of abuse. Mm -hmm. Same for churches and, and the like. Anyone who deals with young people, but uh, you know. Do parents have a right? Should they be informed about what's going on? Do they have a right to know what's going on in their kids' lives? So I think, again, those of us who are protecting and supporting young people are there and trusted with the information of the things that they are dealing with. In terms of parents' rights to know at schools, I mean, here in Colorado, parents don't have the right. If a young person is questioning their gender or their sexuality there okay. are laws in place that say that they have the right to process that with their trusted counselor so, so you do, and so forth uh, you do a significant amount of your work with kids even starting at age 13 yeah. uh, what what would be the age of consent then in your in your mind uh, in our community the age of consent to mental health therapy is 12 years old so the woman who wants to talk to your children about transitioning and sexuality and everything else, just one more time, her name is Mrs. Pocock. Could have been Mocock or Lescock. That would have made more sense. <laughs> she believes that, uh, as she said, that we have people who are protecting and supporting kids. Um, I could have sworn that was the job of the parent. I don't want Pocock talking to my children. Pocock will not come near my children. And Pocock shouldn't come near your children. Do you think that there's any chance, as, as the representative laid out there? So she thinks a 13-year-old can walk into her office and ask about um, puberty blockers, surgery, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think there is any chance that when that happens, so let's, let's say it's a girl, I did a boy last time, so let's say it's a girl, right? So a little girl comes in, and she says, you know, I feel like a boy. I feel, I'm 13 years old, I feel like a boy. I, I like baseball, I don't really like dresses, whatever. Do you think there's any chance in high hell that Pocock and her minions say, you know what, actually you're just going through a phase and by the way, there are some girls that like baseball and sometimes they turn out to be lesbians, sometimes not. There, you know, there's a whole spectrum of things. These are the people who love like the whole spectrum and diversity and equality of everything and all that stuff. But for some reason with gender and sex, if you feel a little bit different, if you're not freaking, you know, nail polish blonde and doing your thing, then you are automatically a dude. It, it, it's absolutely crazy and these people should have nothing to do with anyone else's children. And if you don't realize what, uh, what damage this is doing to people, uh, here's something from the Daily Mail, and this guy's been making the rounds. Uh, Ex-Navy SEAL who transitioned from male to female says he's now transitioning back. Blast Virginia, or the VA, sorry. The, blast the VA for giving him hormones after an hour-long consultation and calls sex change the worst mistake of my life. So there he is on the left there as a man. There he is as a chick. And now there he is as a man again, or chick man, whatever. It, this is out of control, this stuff. It's out of control, but do, they're not gonna stop with this. And just try to imagine if they've taken us this far now, where are they gonna be at in two years? Like that really is the question. That really is the question. So what is the answer? You guys know I like answers and I like solutions and I like doing stuff about things instead of just talking about it. So what do you do? You elect people who will fight for you. You elect people 
who will make sure that they will get this nonsense out of schools and they will fight the woke corporations that are injecting this into all of our cultural apparatus. One of those guys is Ron DeSantis. I happened to talk to him back in June uh, in Orlando, home of Walt Disney and his crazy company. Uh, here's what DeSantis said, you may remember this. But I think Disney took it one step further when they put out this incredible statement after they already did all their virtue signaling, after we signed the bill saying this was somehow a violation of human rights and that they would work to see that parents' rights and education were repealed through the legislature. And I'm just thinking to myself, um, you know, I took an oath to support the laws and constitution of the U.S. and the state of Florida. I did not take an oath to subcontract out my leadership to a corporation based in Burbank, California. They don't run this state. Okay, now that's talk, right? And what do I always say? I don't just like talk. So what did he do? He actually started going after Disney, going after their special benefits. Disney has all sorts of special benefits, tax breaks, their own police force, all sorts of crazy stuff that they got you know, 50, 60 years ago in Orlando here in Florida. He went after them, right? And then all sorts of people kind of got behind him and people started canceling Disney Plus and stopped watching their movies and buying their stuff. So you know what happened? Disney fired their CEO, Bob Chapek. We showed you a bunch of videos with that clown. And I said, I said months ago, six months ago, this guy, this will not end well for him. He got eaten up by the woke diversity machine. And then Disney, just in the last month or so, they brought in former Disney CEO, so former and now future Disney CEO, Bob Iger, uh, just about a month ago. And he's already reversing course because he's afraid of backlash, both politically and uh, financially related to his company. Here's a virtual question. Many cast members had wished that Disney stayed out of politics. Will Disney stay out of making political statements? You know, I think uh, there's a misperception here about what politics is. And I think that some of the subjects that have proven to be controversial as it relates to Disney have been branded political, and I don't necessarily believe they are. I don't think when you are telling stories and attempting to be a good citizen of the world that that's political, just not how I view it. Do I like the company being embroiled in controversy? Of course not. It can be distracting and it can have a negative impact on the company. And to the extent that I can work to kind of quiet things down, I'm going to do that. Okay, so it's super interesting there because he's not like outwardly being like, I'm done with all of this woke crap and everything else, but he's kind of saying it. Now we'll see what Disney does. What, what was the movie that crashed and burned with Disney in the last two weeks? Strange World. So they had a super woke movie that came out about two, three weeks ago that completely flopped, right? Um, so hope, but obviously that was in the can way before he took over. So hopefully he will make some adjustments, but DeSantis counter, uh, contrary to what a lot of media was reporting, he's not turning around on any of these things. He's not giving him any of those special benefits back. But the point is they are changing course because we fought back. They, next time, when the next election cycle rolls around and Disney and the, the execs and the board, they're all looking at the numbers and they're like, well, we'd like to fund a whole bunch of candidates. Uh, we probably shouldn't go against this DeSantis guy uh, because he just won Florida by 20 points and people have had it with us and our numbers are dropping and on top of the fact that the economy is kind of sputtering along. We do have some fiduciary responsibility to the board, uh, to, the, to the shareholders, and we better 
make note of that. So you fight back people, that is what you do. Have I been clear about my feelings today? Feel clear? Pretty solid? Okay. Uh, Tony Allegra, we've got some comments from the rubenreport.locals.com community. Tony says, dude was a billionaire and couldn't afford a hairstylist. Can you pull up that picture again, Connor? The picture of the four of them just standing there together. This, yeah. Look at this clown. This, this way his suit fits, his body looks like you could just put your finger through it. The haircut, they thought this was Jesus too. Ridiculous. Speaking of haircuts, I have not been able to get a great haircut here in Florida. You know what happened. I, Connor and I have been going to the same guy and he doesn't speak English. And God bless him. I, I don't need to talk that. I talk for a living, so I don't need to talk when I'm getting my haircut. And he gave me a couple of decent ones, but then the last haircut that he, I should have, I should have got the busted out the picture. He literally like zagged me over here to get, you know, because there's a lot of Cubans down here, a lot of Venezuelans, they like these you know, like zing zang zoom things. And then he was doing my beard and he sprayed my beard. I looked like Tony Bettis. Wait, uh, not Tony Bettis. What was his name? What was his name? The football player? Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. Remember Jerome Bettis? He had this very intense beard. That's so anyway. Uh, Phoenix's girlfriend's moving here and she's a stylist. So we're going to, we're going to fix this situation ASAP. Uh, Elizabeth says there's fraud in campaigns. Who would have thought? Big gasp, much shock. Yeah, it's wild. And they, they give money to everybody. As I said, there's this hedging of the bets, right? You, you, you don't always go all in on one side. Some people do, but you know, the, the more clever people, they're giving money to everybody. And that, and Trump was very, very clear and clean about that. Uh, when he was running the first time around about how this whole thing works. Hillary, I used to give you money. Hillary, you used to call me for money. So yeah, it's a corrupt system and you just got to pilfer some truth out of it and then figure out a way to, to remain sane and happy and all that good stuff. Uh, Matt says, Trevor Noah is the antimatter of humor. Yeah, I mean, on top of everything else, he's deeply unfunny. Like you could have completely polar opposite uh, political opinions as me and I could still recognize that you're funny but he was just sort of the worst kind of partisan hack, which is what has happened with Stephen Colbert and the rest of the late night guys, thus leaving uh, the number one show in late night to be Greg Gutfeld's show. He's literally, I mean, I've said this many times, but people don't realize the other shows, if you look at Colbert, you look at uh, who else is on late night even anymore, uh, Kimmel or whatever, you look at any of these clowns, they have staffs, I kid you not, probably 50 to 100 people, if not more on those programs. Gutfeld has about five people. There are three camera guys. He's got like two writers and a warm-up guy. I, oh, there's a makeup girl. He's got about six people and he's got the number one show in late night, not just by a little bit, but by crazy wide margins, which just goes to show if you do something real and what I love about Greg and the show, it's just like, it's, it's loose and it's funny and it's silly and it's not overly scripted and rehearsed and all of that stuff. And, and he lets me do whatever the hell I want for better or worse. Uh, anyway, uh, if you want to join us uh, for live chat during the show, uh, rubenreport.locals.com. And uh, we did give you a couple flummox Joe Bidens during this show, but we got one more for you on the cold close. And then the, uh, the Ruben Report holiday party is tonight. There will be, there will be much tequila. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Adios. And other partnerships in global health security to help save lives and combat COVID-19. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. 
And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.